0: Butts and Guts, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Butts and Guts. I'm your host, Scott Steele, the chair of colorectal surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. And today, we're pleased to have Dr. Howard Goldman, a urologist in Cleveland Clinic's Glickman Urologic and Kidney Institute. We're going to talk a little bit about stress incontinence and having an overactive bladder. Howard, welcome to Butts and Guts. Thank you for having me. So for all the listeners out there who are kind of regular time, we'd like to first go into hearing a little bit about you. So tell us where you're from, where'd you train, and how did it come to the point that you're here at the Cleveland Clinic?
1: Thanks. So I'm from Los Angeles, California, trained all over the country, New York, Memphis, Cleveland, a few other places. Was happy to end up in Cleveland, Ohio. I do a lot of what's called female urology and pelvic floor dysfunction, and so we do a lot of surgery on things like pelvic floor prolapse stress incontinence treat patients with overactive bladder and other sorts of bladder disorders
0: so i'm going to start off with a couple of facts that i think i surely didn't know and i think a lot of our listeners may not know so one in three people who are assigned female at birth experience some type of incontinence and loss of pelvic support it's less common in men but it still does happen So on this episode, we're gonna be discussing the two most common types of incontinence, that's stress urinary incontinence and urge incontinence, also known as an overactive bladder. So let's go high level first, let's go 50,000 foot view. Tell us about these two and what's the difference between the two?
1: So yeah, and it's actually more than one in three women. It's closer to about 40% plus. Stress incontinence is leakage with cough, sneeze, exercise, you're walking your dog and the dog is pulling really hard or young women tell me when they're yelling at their kids they sometimes have some leakage so it's essentially the inability of the urethral channel to provide adequate resistance when the pressure in the belly goes up so that's stress incontinence and the general treatments for that are anything from kegel exercises to we have certain things we can inject into the lining of the water channel to provide more resistance and then there are surgeries that can help with that. Overactive bladder, urge incontinence is one component of overactive bladder. Some other things that frequently go along with that are just urgency where people have to run to the bathroom, they may still make it. Whereas with urge incontinence, they got to run to the bathroom and don't make it. Uh, Many of those people also have urinary frequency, go to the bathroom quite often and often will get up at night. Um, And that's due There are a number of different things that can cause that. There are some neurologic things. Patients with neurologic disease may have that. But there are just, the majority of patients don't have any obvious underlying causes. And it's just a dysfunction between how the brain and the bladder are communicating such that instead of having control over the bladder, they lose that control.
0: So you talked a little bit about causes for incontinence, but can you talk about Uh, risk factors like how do I know am I prone to this or just all of a sudden I wake up one day and I sneeze and boom I urinate my bed
1: so you yourself would not as a male would not be prone to stress incontinence really the only men who have that trouble are men who have had some kind of prostate surgery so often after prostate cancer surgery or some other type of prostate surgery men may experience stress incontinence in women It's very common after women go through childbearing years uh, because as they go through labor and delivery, um, there can be some damage to the muscles in the pelvic floor surrounding the vagina. There can be damage to some of the nerves in that area. And that along with sometimes aging, going through menopause, uh, having perhaps had some other type of pelvic surgery, all of those things can add up and ultimately lead to somebody having stress incontinence urge incontinence really anybody could get that we see that in men sometimes who have blockage from their prostate where the bladder has to work too hard and it gets jumpy and they develop overactive bladder and we see it quite often in women um, for no apparent reason
0: so you throw some statistics earlier and, and just based on what you just said uh, you know, m- maybe everybody out there to a certain degree experiences one or another of these and certainly uh, I, You know, they don't talk about it a whole lot. So uh, if I'm a listener at home How do you know when you're supposed to seek treatment for this and in that what you are experiencing is quote-unquote abnormal?
1: So that's a very good question and these are not problems that are going to kill anybody. These are really lifestyle issues so there are many women i would even venture to say most women who've had vaginal deliveries have some degree of stress incontinence but for many of them it may be when they have a hard cough a few drops come out and it doesn't really bother them particularly but if it gets to the point that it bothers someone that's when they should seek treatment and that's all relative i have older women who maybe wear two pads a day who it doesn't bother that doesn't bother them at all and I have younger women who have a f- just a few drops of leakage, but when they're in their kickboxing course and they get a few drops on their on their leotard, that is very stressful to them. So it's really, it's up to the individual. If it bothers you, it's not normal. And if it bothers you, then seek treatment. So truth
0: or myth, incontinence may be improved with lifestyle modifications.
1: True, so Um, There are certain dietary things, things like caffeine, alcohol that can irritate the bladder and make people have to run to the bathroom more often and sometimes not make it. Um, Weight loss for patients who are uh, significantly overweight. It has clearly been shown that weight loss can help both stress and urge incontinence. And there are a number of other lifestyle changes that can help as well. So can we talk a little bit
0: about two things? First of all, I'm a patient. I've said, okay, listen, I've been fighting this too long. I gotta go in and get it evaluated. What can a typical patient expect when they come to see you or a member of your team here at the Cleveland Clinic? And then what are some of the treatment options that are available outside of the lifestyle modifications that you just talked about that can help improve these symptoms?
1: So typically, one can make the diagnosis of these problems with just a very good history physical examination and urinalysis. That's often all that is necessary to then move on to potential discussion of treatments. Sometimes in certain situations, we may need to do further bladder testing, something perhaps called a like a urodynamics test, which allows us to understand better how the bladder is functioning. Sometimes there may be reasons to look in the bladder and do what's called a cystoscopy. When you do then get on to treatment, I would break stress incontinence and overactive bladder urge incontinence to to separate buckets. For stress incontinence, uh, pelvic floor physiotherapy, Kegel exercises can be helpful for some patients. Um, There are some vaginal inserts, which can sort of obstruct the urethra and prevent leakage in some patients. Uh, There are some things we do in the office where we just numb up the urethra and inject a gel under the lining to provide better resistance. And then there are surgical options where in the OR, under typically under deep sedation, there's a 30 minute procedure that can provide added support to the urethra uh, to prevent leakage. That's for women with stress incontinence. For men with significant stress incontinence, they can also do the Kegels. But if if that doesn't do the job, and these are again, men who've usually had prostate surgery, uh, typically then it would be some sort of surgical management with some sort of either a sling or we make a new sphincter, an artificial sphincter that we implant around the urethra. For overactive bladder, first line treatments uh, are pelvic floor physiotherapy again, and medications. And if those don't work, We then have a lot of other options, everything from injecting Botox into the bladder, and then we do that in the office. We also can do some stimulation of one of the nerves near the ankle, whereby stimulating that on a routine basis, that actually feeds up into the nerves that control the bladder and can help the bladder a lot. And then we also have pacemakers for the bladder, where we can implant uh, a little pacemaker where there's a wire that goes to the nerves near the bladder. And... uh, that's very successful in patients who have failed other approaches.
0: Now, I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. You stimulate the ankle and that improves the bladder. Is that the old dip the hand in the hot, hot water and you urinate trick? Are you talking about us, Howard?
1: You must have gone to sleepaway camp, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's similar, except it's the ankle. So it's actually based on some old acupuncture techniques. And if you stimulate the tibial nerve, the tibial nerve actually runs up and becomes part of the sciatic nerve which then goes up to some of these sacral nerve roots. And those are the same nerves that then uh, control the bladder so that by stimulating the tibial nerve, uh, there's very good evidence that you can actually help control the bladder. And a big area of research, we've been on some of the studies and there aren't, there aren't any devices yet available, but soon there will be some little, very small implants that you could put uh, under the skin in the ankle that will stimulate that nerve on a regular basis so patients don't have to come in and out to get that treatment.
0: Well, that's fantastic. And so one of the things that I like being here at the Cleveland Clinic, there's always some new innovative treatments going on. So can you tell us a little bit about that? What's happening here at the Cleveland Clinic for bladder disorders?
1: Yeah, so we have a number of, we have a lot of different things we're working on. We have something that's really the only thing in the world being looked at right now for, for help with diagnosis. I had mentioned earlier that Uh, we sometimes will need to do what's called urodynamics to evaluate how the bladder is actually functioning as a test to help determine what's going on. The challenge with that is a patient comes into a room, you stick a bunch of tubes up into their bladder, you fill them with water, and then you tell them to urinate. And it's a very artificial setting. The bladder doesn't always work in its typical way under that sort of circumstance. So we actually have, together with our bioengineering people, come up with a device uh, that is called the Euromonitor. Once it gets into commercial production, it'll probably be called something else, but it's a very small little device. Looks like just a little small curl of rubber that's actually put into the bladder through the water channel. And then we can leave it there for like 24 hours. And so the patient can actually walk around, they can go home, um, they can do all their normal things, let the bladder fill its normal natural way, urinate in their own bathroom at home. And while that's all going on, All the information about what's going on in the bladder is sent wirelessly to something that looks like a cell phone that they're wearing. And the next day they can come in, we have a little string on this thing, we pull it out and we can download all the information and we sort of look at it as like a Holter monitor for the bladder. We can essentially figure out what the bladder did for a full day and hopefully get a much more accurate uh, sense of what's going on. So that's from a diagnostic standpoint. From a treatment standpoint, we've been involved, very involved in some of the latest research on some of these little stimulators that are placed in the ankle to help overactive bladder. And we're also involved in a study for stress incontinence where we're using stem cells. Uh, Patients come in, we do a little needle biopsy of a muscle in their thigh. We then send that little tiny piece of muscle, it's smaller than a matchstick, out and they separate the stem cells and grow all sorts of new muscle cells that we then three months later can inject into the urethra, the water channel to sort of hopefully reform the patient's or, or strengthen the patient's um, urethral sphincter. And hopefully that will help with stress incontinence. So there are a lot of new things we're, we're looking at.
0: So as you said, there's a lot of different treatment options there. How do you help a patient decide what is the best treatment option for them?
1: So we generally start simple and then move up the ladder to get more complex. And some of it also depends on if um, there there may be some patients who really want to stay away from the operating room and prefer to to do things in the office. And there may be other patients who say, listen, I just want to do one thing, get this done with, never think about it again. Uh, So we we discuss it with the patients, discuss risks, benefits, you know, kind of come to a, a decision after all the information is laid out.
0: Well, that's fantastic stuff. So now it's time to get to know you a little bit better with our quick hitter. So first of all, what's your favorite
1: sport? Baseball.
0: Now, is that to play player to watch?
1: Well, at my age, it's to watch.
0: <laughs> fantastic. What is your favorite meal? Steak. And if you have a place on your bucket list that you're dying to go to, what is that place?
1: Ooh, I've been to a lot of places. It would be St. Petersburg in peaceful times.
0: Fantastic. And finally, you know, you said you were an LA guy to begin with. So what is it that you like about here in Northeast Ohio?
1: I spent a lot of time in New York, a lot of time in Los Angeles. I'm used to fighting traffic, taking forever to get somewhere. And it's nice to have greenery in front of me, drive peacefully to work, not get caught in traffic. Uh, If you leave work at 630, you know, generally you're home by seven and uh, a nice medical center, Nice people to work with. It's all good. Amen to
0: all of that. So, what's the final take-home message for our listeners?
1: I think the take-home message would be: incontinence, whether it's stress incontinence, overactive bladder, or urge incontinence, is very common. It's much more prevalent and common in women than in men, but it does happen in men as well. And again, in general, it's not going to kill you. But if it does get to a point where it bothers someone, there are some Excellent treatments and all different types of treatments, sort of wherever somebody wants to go, whatever, however invasive they want to be, there are different treatments and they really should uh, follow up with one of us here at the Cleveland Clinic uh, so we could tell them more about these things and hopefully take care of them.
0: That's fantastic advice. And so for more information on Cleveland Clinic, Glickman Urological and Kidney Institute, please call 216 444 5600. That's 216-444-5600. You can also visit the website at clevelandclinic.org slash incontinence to download an incontinence treatment guide. That's clevelandclinic.org slash incontinence. Dr. Goldman, thanks so much for joining us here on Butts and Guts. Thank you. That wraps things up here at Cleveland Clinic. Until next time, thanks for listening to Butts and Guts.